Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Uh, boys, 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 feelings of last season are uh, coming up again. At least that's what it feels like a little bit. Um, a little different feeling around the club, but somewhat similar. Uh, here to join me to discuss it, um, my two usual co-hosts, I have Sam and Andres here. Sam, I'll start off with you, man. I don't really have a fancy intro this week because I'm pretty pissed off. Um, so you tell me what your thoughts are. What are your jokes? How you feeling? Dude, I really don't know what it is about Chelsea Football Club, but I feel like every time we bring on a manager, they just automatically, their IQ drops by 50%. <laughs> like, I don't, I really... There's just so many things. Like last week, we were singing praises for Pochettino, and I was saying that he outmanaged Klopp, and he had a masterclass. And then he followed up this week with getting a lot of stuff wrong and doing a lot of things that we had issue with with our previous managers. I just it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of the same things that were that it's like confusing the fans and. I don't know, man. What 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 is it with Chelsea Football Club and that happening? It feels like, like for the longest time, the obvious things never happen, or the obvious decisions never get made. Andres, do you want to kind of harp on that and tell us how you're feeling after this match? Because I know uh, you're particularly pissed off. Yeah, sa- same shit, different stink. All it is, man. It's just... That's pretty much it. That's the good way to sum it up shortly. Yeah, it's the same shit, different stink. Like, it is different from last year because it does seem like the team has some sort of... Like, they've the the team has bought in and they try, (laughs) which is something that we didn't see last year. And it's pathetic saying it out loud. But, um, I mean, those are just the facts. I guess that's the only difference between last. We still suck at this. Uh, Anyways, let's get right into it. I mean... Chelsea lost to West Ham uh, away. Going through the starting lineup really quick. Cortez returns to goal. Levi Colwell retains his place at left back. Thiago Silva to Sassi playing our two center backs. Gusto right back. Gallagher Enzo. The pivots. Chuck Wack playing the 10. Sterling Jackson. I don't know if this was a 4 2 3 1. This is back. I mean, just kind of going in, starting 11 thoughts. Same exact lineup that played against Liverpool, barring uh, Malo Gusto for the injured Reese James. Some, um, what were your initial reactions to seeing this lineup drop? Because the over, the 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 overarching feeling was that it was a very underwhelming defensively oriented or defensively minded lineup. Well, it was pretty. It was pretty much the same exact 11, but with uh, Malagusto instead of Reese James from the last match, right? It was the same exact lineup. Yeah, exactly. So, yep, only different, so, which is right back. Yeah, and and I thought Malagusto was great. I thought he played really well on his role, so 
you would think that you know, if the one change was some was not really a drop off in quality, then we would have looked just as good as we looked last match. And for some reason, I don't know what the hell happened, but I mean, we we bought we spent 115 million pounds on uh, Moises Caicedo for him not to start, which. I'm not shocked. I personally thought that he was going to start. It is a little bit surprising, but I'm not like shocked. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But we'll get we'll get into him not... in, a, in a little bit. But yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to point out. Yeah, but that's I mean, yeah that that's really just the only thing. I'm not like that. Can yeah, I, I'm I, I I was just surprised. I was I felt a little differently. I. I would have been surprised if Caicedo started, but I also wasn't surprised that he didn't because, you know, no preseason, um, or at least the proper preseason, lacking match fitness. I mean, I don't care how much running you do off the pitch. You're not going to be match fit unless you actually play play matches. But this really should have been the type of game where, as the sirens are going by, um, this really should have been the type of game where Caicedo should have came on with a two or three goal lead and just kind of shored things up, played really safe, and on to the next one. But clearly it wasn't that. Andres, what were your thoughts on the uh, on the starting 11? Anything stick out to you? Yeah, I'm not buying that this is a 4-2-3-1 or whatever Poch is telling us anymore. I don't understand it. I don't think it mirrors like people are trying to tell me oh it's still three blah 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 but the matter of fact is is that Chilwell is not making late runs he's just up there already so there's no element of surprise there's no movement there's no anything there's no overloads anymore because Colwell's not overlapping Malogusto on the other side isn't overlapping as much either he's just up so to me this is just another version of the stale three at the back that we saw with Tuchel at one point and that we saw with Graham Potter at one point. The things that mm-hmm. made the preseason fun aren't happening right now. I understood it when we have to when we have to um, block a Trent Alexander-Arnold that's coming up. But what am I supposed to think of Chilwell blocking off Sufal? Like... Chilwell is not supposed to be a winger. He's supposed to be overlapping the winger. That's where he scores because the the he's he is coming in while somebody else is distracted. It's yeah. I get that positionally he's going to cover the same spaces, blah blah blah. But it's different when those are moving pieces versus a piece just being there. So to me, yeah. it just feels like we're limiting our biggest weapons putting this like, oh, I'll just play Levi Colwell at left back because Chilwell's just going to bomb forward anyway. You see what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that, that to me just feels limiting. It, it feels extremely negative to, to come out and essentially just have three guys sitting back at all times, especially mm-hmm. against a West Ham team that was fighting relegation. And if we've known... And I assume Poch knows that the issue with this team has been to score goals. Why are we lowering the number of guys that can score goals for you on the pitch? That is my main that's, issue here. Yeah, and that's where that's where my concern is, especially starting Chowa at left wing. Like, I get it. He's he's one of the more attacking fullbacks in world football. He's a great creator. He's a great finisher for his position. 
but he's not a left winger. I mean, and, and you saw a case in point today multiple times where Chill would get the ball at the feet, and the thought was only cross, shoot, or find a pass. There was no, let me, I, let me, let me take my man 1v1, beat him down the byline, and try to create something out of nothing. I mean, similarly to what Sterling was doing, surprisingly, he had a pretty good game on the whole, but. You know, with, with Ben Chilwell, that's my main issue. I mean, you're playing a left back in a wing position. And a winger, you're, ask, you're asking that player to provide base, to provide width, to cut in when necessary, to run out of opponents with the ball at their feet, to dribble past people, create. That's not that. Chilwell's good at that, but not is just plain and simple. You know, you could get another winger out there and have a more natural fit that type of position and you probably get a different result on the day and not only that we re-signed levi colwell to this you know big contract extension and he's only exclusively played left backs um you know for the first two matches of the season and yes he did an okay job against liverpool especially towards the after the first half an hour he was great but in this match it was just he was on an island so that, that was my biggest frustration, was the whole Chilwell thing. It's like, look, if we're going to go with a back three, fine. But Chilwell still should not be playing this left-wing attacking role where he's not even tasked with the responsibility to track back. Because that's part of what Ch makes Chilwell so great. The late runs into the box, being the last man to arrive on a cross, you know, providing that far post option when the right side has the ball. That's what he's good at. So... I mean that's that, that's that's my frustration with this, this whole thing. Song, do you have anything to add before we before we on here? Yeah, I just wanted to kind of go through the subs. There are four subs that Pochettino made, and I think so. The first one was Mucha coming on for Chukwameka. Obviously, that that had to happen. Chukwameka thoughts go out to him by the way he finally i mean that goal he scored was amazing and i was just talking shit about him like five minutes before he scored that so um that made sense that sub and then in the 61st minute kaiseido comes in for ben chilwell okay noni madueke comes in the 75th minute for gallagher this is right after the red card like t like eight minutes after the red card and then in the 83rd minute, he takes out Malagusto, puts in fucking Mason Burstow. I mean, <laughs> besides the Mudrick one, none, all the three other subs were not like-for-like like swaps. And it just, like, was a change in formation, change in play style. Like, you know, it, and it, it, it's funny because every move, you know, the, the Caicedo sub, like, that was just to get him on. and. Were we down? Yeah, we were down 2-1 at that point. Um, yeah. But the other ones, like, were obviously to get us more attacking, you know, attackers out there and, you know, try to score a goal because they were down to 10 men, but nothing changed. Like, it just, we played 30 minutes down, like, against a team down to 10 men, and we just kept on crossing, 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 and, like, it, everything was across into the box amongst a fucking sea of like six four giants. Yeah, I really don't yeah, we're understand. We're crossing the ball to Kurt Zuma of all people. Yeah, man, it's like the guy wins. I every... don't know this. Uh, it sucks. Like, obviously, I'm not going to 
completely lose faith in Pochettino after one match, especially after what we saw last match. But like, it's just like these are the things that if they, you know, keep on happening, it's gonna it's gonna be frustrating and it's gonna, you know, I just I, I don't want to fucking go through another manager change, guys. Yeah. I have PTSD. We've had fucking four I, managers in the past year. I just think I, the way I see it is like Poch lost in Kunku and he thinks he has to reinvent the wheel. I mean, and, he's playing. He's and, playing. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. And, and I think like like you were talking about the subs and all that. And, and people are, are baffled that Mudrik and Madueke didn't do anything. And, and my take on it is these are kids. Like. I'm sorry, not every career has to start at 18 years old. They're like 20, 21, 22. Like, that's nothing. In the big scheme of things, the prime of their career, we're going to still get six, eight years out of, out of these wingers if things work out. My thought is they're still not fully, um, what do you say, like embedded into this league. And I'm going to use Madueke as an example of why we should be starting these guys. When we started Madueke in, in the in the spring, when this team was complete and utter shit, he was balling out. When you are a kid and the game starts 0-0, even grounds, all that, making a mistake isn't going to phase you because it's still 0-0. Sam, you were talking about how at the end of the game, they're a man down. West Ham has parked the bus with fucking NBA power forwards in the box waiting for the cross. Yeah. And we have no matchup advantage there. None. Zero. So what are two, and, and I'm going to focus on Mudrik here. What is Mudrik supposed to do here? He can't dribble through 10 guys. He can't cross it to anyone because they're all three heads shorter than those guys. Mm-hmm. Sure. His volley, the one volley he had, poor. I get that. But that's after he's been rattled already. The guy was thrown into the wolves. Like, I'm not going to take yeah. this like, oh, Mudrik actually was a bust. Like, that's not for me. I think you start the guy and you get to see the confident Mudrik because at 0-0, he'll have the space. He'll have the movement. He could have Chilwell overlapping and helping him create. Like, these are the little things that people aren't, the context that people aren't bringing to this equation. Like, what was Mudrik supposed to do at that point? What was he supposed to do? In this system, he wasn't going to get an overlap from Colwell. And all his crosses were going to go to Nico Jackson, who is on paper. We've been told he can't win a damn header. And then you bring in Mason Burstow. Oh, yeah. He scored one header in the in the, in the the preseason, so he's going to be the solution. Like, no. We yeah. fell to in, into their hands. We fell right into their hands. And then we're trying to blame it. On the 22-year-old and who was a lot of money because that's just the easiest scapegoat. Like, I need Poch to go back to a back four, a true back four, because now he's got Caicedo and Lavia. So this whole thing where like, oh, we need to protect our keeper, da 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 Bullshit. You got what you wanted. Go back to basics. Back four. And, and that's not even to talk about... We spent a whole preseason with Andre Santos, and we haven't seen the guy. Didn't even make the bench. So instead of using the pieces that you hammered into how to build out of a back four, what the fullbacks are supposed to do. Malagusta was there all preseason because Reese was hurt. Chilwell was there all preseason. Colwell was there all preseason. Thiago Silva was there all preseason. The pieces are there. 
But instead, we're reinventing the wheel out of the blue. Like, that's where I'm so frustrated. Even Sterling, even Sterling decided to show up today. <laughs> I can't say a bad word about the guy today. But because yeah. we were playing the stale, oh, three back, two mids, two wing backs, two guys behind the striker, striker. We've seen this before. It does not work in the Premier League against the low block because it lacks dy dynamic movement. It lacks overlaps. It lacks creativity. Why are you turning into Tuchel? Uh, so I want to just have, th have yeah, three quick this, responses to everything. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, no, no, so the first one, um, what was it? Uh, shit, Zach, you made me forget what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> one of them. Okay. Oh, okay. So the first thing you said about like how Poch changes formation because of the, um, the injury to, um, in Kunku. I mean, he could still play the same exact formation. He started Chukwameka in the past in the first two matches. Exactly. Why can't you just run the same exact formation with him playing at the ten? Like you could do the same exact thing. I don't think that's a good excuse. Um, the second thing about the Mason Burstow uh, sub, like if you look at his heat map and like where he played, he was like hardly in the box. He was playing like he was playing like on the wing basically. So I didn't understand that sub if if that was like his intention, and um, I can't remember the third third thing. Zach, it'll probably come back. Um, yeah, something no, I wanted to say. Yeah, I, I wanted to to move on to Poch's quote that he said after the match because you know criticism online, especially on Twitter, about how we didn't um, lock up the signing attacking player. Mm hmm. Um, so it's not easy in that moment to find the right profile. We're in the same process, working to see if we can add some players in this area. For sure, they're working really hard to add some players. So again, I mean, weakness and how many different ways all wrong now. Pochettino wants more players. He's harped on this before. He also wants experienced players in the attacking areas, in the defensive areas, which, I mean, it's clearly what we're lacking here. But, um... Uh, I cry me a fucking river. You know, He's playing Ron a left to... back at left wing, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 yeah, and and you know he did say after the match that um, it is a difficult situation. He had two strikers in Nkunku and Broja, but they're injured. So you know he's looking at those two guys. Uh, at, at, I mean, who's going to be starting? But he's probably looking at Broja as like a quote unquote super sub to kind kind of come off the bench and give us a different dynamic. But Broja's injured. This isn't news to anybody when pochettino came in he knew Bruce was injured he knew how long he was going to be injured for he had more than enough time to sort of find a solution at that right and going back to the whole chillwell thing i mean if you're really gonna throw a defensive player out of position to play left wing isn't the perfect person to do that ian matson who's been really really impressive playing in attacking area yes so far especially like andres mentioned andre saw Santos was featured. Where is he? Ian Matson was featured. Where is he? Um, but something asked that I want to pass off to you guys really quickly because this is the counter argument to all of those claims that you know Pochettino just made. And Ron asked, "We as an organization shoot ourselves in the foot by spending so much so quickly." And when you and I, I do kind of get this. And let me caveat it with this: Let's 
focus on the actual structure of the squad here because we have 300 million worth of defensive midfielders in the team. We have however many million worth of center backs in the team. Um, but clearly, there's gaps there, right? Like, we have hundreds of millions invested in one position, but then you go and look at goalkeeper, we only have 20 million invested. So, Andres, I'll start with you. I mean, what do you kind of make of Ron's quote? Do you see in there? What's going on? My, my issue is not the amount spent, is when it was spent. Because, again, if we spend this money on June 1st, this, this issue of having to figure it out on the fly is not happening. Caicedo doesn't end up playing right back and conceding a penalty. You know, that, that's mm. where I'm at. The spending, you know, no, I'm not an FFP pro by any means, but my understanding is we had to spend big and lock these guys down to the eight-year contract because this, in theory, should be our one season outside of the Champions League. And we can't register new players in a season that we're in the Champions League for contracts more than five years. So the whole yeah. thing with spending, these guys are all locked up to eight-year deals. Lavia, Caicedo, um, Tisasi's in a long deal as well. So the whole mm-hmm. amortization thing, like it's not the number we spent that that's my issue. In the books, we're still apparently at a 60 million credit. Like the numbers in don't accounting. bug me because I know at the end of the day, yeah, the accounting works. It's just why did the two center mids, if they were if they were so needed and you promised Poch for so long, why did we toy around for so long? Why like if we had the the pull power to get Lavia done so quickly, why couldn't we have done it sooner? Why couldn't we have mm-hmm. just talked to Tony Bloom and given him the 90 million two months ago before he decided it was 120 million? It's it's those little things. And I get these negotiations are hard, but I think that's the issue here. The season started and we were still making signatures. Caicedo didn't play more because he was locked up in a London hotel for a week thinking we were going to sign him and get it done. And it took seven yeah. fucking days. I mean, he Lavia, like he didn't a get a full he didn't get a full preseason because Liverpool diddle daddled with his feelings for a month, and then we came up and snatched him away. So, like, I I don't think it's the money. Like, the money part doesn't bug me. It's unfortunate that Nkunku got hurt. Like, he would have been featured so far. Little things like that. It's just the timing of the guys that we needed to make everything click perfectly weren't there before when we actually needed them to put in the work yeah Sam, you have anything to add to that Mm, not really um my only thing is that i think we were getting to the point where it looked like we would like like we were suckers like we would pay the top price for players and like overpay for you know like like Basically, like the teams would add a tax if we were interested in them. So yeah. that is why that we didn't like go out and say, "Okay, we'll give you ninety million for Moses Caicedo." Like that's a lot of money. Like ninety thousand would have been a lot for him, and we ended up paying one hundred and fifteen yeah. million, which is a lot. And we'll talk more about his performance. He did not look like a hundred fifteen million dollar player today, <laughs> but I mean, um, yeah, that's a good it. It's a good point. I just that's, reality, I understand it I, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it. like I was going to say, it's a good point, because in reality, Caicedo's, let's be honest with ourselves, he's probably worth $60 million, realistically mm-hmm. speaking, right? If Chelsea wasn't going out and buying him, 
he's probably worth around 60 million. So definitely an overpayment on, on that front. And, you know, I, I'm more on Andres's side with like this whole argument as well, because it's not necessarily the amount for me either. It's the type of side and when they right, like getting rid of Keppa at the last minute. It's like, all right, well, now we have egg on our faces with the whole goalkeeper situation, you know, not getting a dm at the last minute you know now we wound up choking up 175 million in the space of 48 hours on one position when we need to fill gaps on two or three others so for me that's where the rage lies but i have a little rant to go on here because I'm working and how much I fuck zonal wait before marking. before I've... you before you before you go into zonal marking um like I feel like one one last thing about the spending. Like I, I feel like it's not talked enough, uh, about, uh, talked about enough how we missed on Onana because we were linked with him heavy, and then I remember when we were initially ruled out, it was because he said that he was gonna stay, but then United came and they swooped on him. Like why? What happened there? Did. Like, no, we we just didn't want to pay. Yeah. No, I. That's fucking stupid. I fifty-five mil. They paid fifty-five mil. I think we should have paid that. We paid twenty million for Robert Sanchez, and this guy's not great. Twenty-five. I I still think I still think it's early to make a call for Sanchez. All things considered, I mean, there was in in our. Yeah, okay, in our cool. Discord he... today, there were some people that were upset at some of the goalkeeping today. I didn't see any individual errors from Robert Sanchez. Andres, did you notice any? The two I mean, goals Robert Sanchez felt... is not he's not a top like he's not a top. The keeper. two goals he's still but we, the two the the two goals nothing about. The first one is a wide open header tucked into the yeah. corner, and the second one is, is I, I don't think it could have hit that ball more perfectly. I mean, I'm gonna get into it too. Yeah, but this Aussie game, you know, yeah. freaking seven yards and a ton of time to pick out his spot there. You can't do that with a guy like Michele Antonio. So, so I mean, so far the three the goals whole, we conceded he's... have not been on the keeper. Yeah, and that's my point. You know, I, I yeah, he made that really terrible pass against Liverpool, but beyond that, I thought he defended the first corner really well today the one before we conceded because they had the same exact opportunity and this is why i'm going to get into the zonal marking thing right the very first conceded it i forgot who it fell to at the far post they the header was off target had to come out and um and basically smother the play made a decent save west ham winds up winning another corner what does james ward prowse do he plays the same exact ball that he played for the first corner on the second corner. And this time it finds Aguered, and he just has a wide open header. I mean, at, at 9 out of 10, a Premier League center back puts that away, no problem. And my issue with the zonal marking isn't necessarily the concept that's on paper, it makes sense. But there's a lot of things that make sense on paper that just don't make sense in person, right? You're playing against West Ham, arguably one of the physically largest teams in the Premier League, right? They have two center backs that are 6'4", 6'5". They have Suchek, who's known to be uh, uh, to have aerial prowess. Mikel Antonio is probably one of the most athletic center forwards in the Premier League. You have James Ward-Prowse playing, who is the best kick taker, set-piece taker in Europe, arguably. We talked about this last pod. Yet, you decide to go zonal marking, but not only that, you have Connor Gallagher guarding the far post, 
by himself. Why is Connor Gallagher in that zone alone? We have three center backs playing. If we're going to be playing a back three, we shouldn't be conceding any of these chances. So tell me why all three center backs were either front or mid. I didn't see anybody defending the far post and nobody defending probably the second or third most dangerous aerial player that they have. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And we've done this before in the past. I've criticized Tuchel for this. I've criticized Frank in his first stint for this. I've also criticized Antonio Conte also. This is, this is one of the most common ways Chelsea Football Club exceeds goals. How long, long have we been poor fans now? It's been about three or four years on the spin. We still haven't figured it out. And the fact that we're going with zonal markings is a fucking joke. Especially considering how good our center backs are in the air. I mean, that's why we bought Dezasi. His his uh his um his aerial success rate is ridiculous. It's off the charts. It's in the 90th percentile for his position. Why are we like it, it just doesn't make sense to me? So that's my little rant on the whole zonal marking thing. I I thought it was fucking pathetic. I learned our, our lesson after the first corner. Make the necessary adjustments. How about the good old-fashioned way? You stick a person on the front post, the post, and everyone else grab a man. You match up size with size. Common sense. We probably could have avoided that, that situation, but no. James Ward-Prowse picked us apart on the corner kicks, and, oh, they took advantage of it. I mean, do you guys have anything to add? Or am I just kind of the lone wolf center back and I notice these things? Uh-huh. Uh, James Ward-Prowse has more or the same amount of assists in one match for West Ham than Enzo has in uh, or as Mudrik has for Chelsea. I think Enzo too. So I saw yeah. a quote from Frank LaBeouf and not, not, not saying that I rate him in any way, shape or form because that whole ESPN FC team is pathetic. Um, but he was like, oh, well, you see guys like uh, James Ward-Prowse going for, you know, 30 million. I wonder why Chelsea didn't go out probably because he's not young and worth a hundred million. It's like, dude, hindsight is twenty twenty when this dude j just puts up a pair of assists against us. Like, let's let's have the same fucking conversation at the end of the season. Like, it's it's so course, ridiculous. Yeah, to me. I mean, yeah, but but, but he kind one, of one match sample size. I'm mentioning it because he kind of encompasses all of Chelsea fans on. Twitter right after this game was over. It was so reactionary. It was so much of like this doomsday mindset where the whole world is burning. Everybody sucks. Pochettino's Potter overnight. It's it's not like that. And it's not that deep. These are just little kinks that Pochettino and the team has to work. I think eventually over time they're gonna iron themselves out. Yeah, th this this is why I'm still sitting at fifth place for us this season. Because yeah. we are a young, inexperienced team, and there's going to be growing pains. Like, I guess I, I'm going to sort of take lead, Zach, here, because you have the stats out here. I mean, we yeah, still dominated possession, 76%, 17 shots, only four on target, which, <laughs> Chelsea, that's who we are, period. But 2.49 XG compared to West Ham's 1.8, I know that, Probably the penalty adds like one whole XG. So 1.5 versus 1.8 at the end of the day. But at the but at, but even with that, it's it's the first half of the dominance of the final 25 minutes. Something has to come out of that. We we need to 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 finish stuff. And and sadly, we still don't know where the goals are gonna come from. 
that's the part that that stinks because now the guy that scored today wobbled off the field so yeah and that's unfortunate because he was um he started to look pretty decent and he's looking more and more comfortable in this team so And, and again funny enough the young guys get a run of games starting Chukwameka started slow against Liverpool, and then a game later starts again. He scores. Who would have thought? Young guys need to build confidence. Like, yeah, there's slow. Burns. Just more salt on the wound. I know, I know. Well, we we also had uh, Aguirre sent off in the 67th minute. Um, you know, obviously West Ham went down to 10 men for the better part of 25 minutes. I mean, if you add added time, it's probably the better part of 30 minutes. Um, but basically, nothing changed in the way we play i would actually argue that we looked worse when went when west ham went down to 10 men it, the, the conviction yeah. in our play was gone we looked like we were panicking i have never seen enzo give the ball away so many times in my life and he, you know just force things that aren't there you have um, there's one situation that sticks out in my mind and it's it's just the perfect example of kind of where the that where um we had malo gusto the ball on the right side um about at about midfield and instead of playing and it he wanted to play sterling through but sterling checked his run and wanted the ball to feed and it's that, mm-hmm. that just kind of encompasses yeah, what the team is at right now like the cohesiveness is not there the chemistry is clearly not there and when you have a mishmash of guys who have some level of premier league experience mixed with young players that have no premier league experience suddenly getting a start you're gonna have these kind of situations and i think th- this match is definitely one of those that we're going to want to forget about. But on the flip side, I think there's going to be matches where we kill teams three, four, three or four nil and look absolutely convincing and then show up the next week and kind of play like this. And I think that's the point is getting at. And I agree. I think we're my my stance still hasn't changed. I think we're still very much fifth place for that reason. I think we're going to blow hot and cold throughout the course of the next 36 matches. I mean, look at the lineup, right? West Ham's lineup played a full season together. They won a trophy together. Look at our lineup. Just, it's a new goalkeeper, a new left back that's supposed to be a center back, a new center back, a new right back. Um, Gallagher and Enzo, they've been here. Then you go up and it's Chukomeka, who honestly, he counts as new. Uh, Nico Jackson, new. So how can we expect these guys to already be gelled when they've had a month together? So I think I'm going to preach patience just a little bit longer. I don't think it's all over, but it sucks because right now I feel like this group was all talking vibes and unity and blah, blah, blah. And this didn't show me that. I hope I see a response at Luton because as of right now, like I said earlier, same shit, different stink. Like, are we still going to be the Chelsea that only shows up for the quote unquote big matches, like the the big fancy matchups? Or are we going to get our shit together against the teams that we should be beating consistently, even with the inexperience in our team? And it's not even just like the inexperience of playing together. If you look at all of the fielded attackers today, so that's Mudrik, Jackson, Sterling, Madueke, and Chukwameka. Mm-hmm. In a combined 149 appearances last season, 149, they scored 35 goals combined between the of five of, of them. All Nico. 
Yeah. So yeah. it's it's not just the lack of ex- like uh, familiarity with the rest of the players. It's also, you know, like th- that's what Nkunku was supposed to do. He was supposed to be the one providing the goals, and without him there, it's going to be tough to score. I don't know why I predicted three. I think I said we were going to score three or four goals. I, I honestly I thought the same. I thought Nico was gonna pop. I thought we were gonna get a good performance out of Mudrick, maybe a goal from him as well. Um, but really the only guy that looked like he popped today was Sterling, but then again, <laughs> nothing really to show for it because there's no goal or assist. Yeah. You know, it's just a couple of nice dribbles and then pass it to the keeper. Um, but before we get into the individual players, you do have a couple other questions I want to run by you guys. Um the first one it comes from HC Department at Human Capital Department, best Twitter handle ever. Uh, what do we need to do to stop this season from turning out like last season? I mean, we kind of harped on it a little bit. Um, you know, we talked about the youth of the players. Uh, we also mentioned that the team really hasn't gelled yet. The familiarity's not there. Is there anything other than that that you guys notice? Or should we um, should we all just kind of draw a consensus that, that you know, it's going to take time? I, I don't think it's gonna, it should take that much time because here's the thing. You want to avoid last season, start winning games. Mm-hmm. That's because we've played this game before. The The performance that you described to me, 76% possession, a ton of shots. We won the XG battle. Go back five months and you will hear me make that same exact argument while we were in like a freaking 13 game losing streak under Potter, whatever the hell it was. Like mm-hmm. we have a very favorable run of matches that we need to capitalize on. I'm going to use Man United as an example, um, not for this week's matchup, but the Wolves matchup last week. They were terrible. They were so bad. They got saved by VAR. They should have lost to Wolves, but they squeaked by with an ugly 1-0 win. I will take four ugly 1-0 wins for these guys to believe they can win games at this point. I think mm-hmm. you need to get results to especially with this young team to get them to stop spamming crosses at these freaking towers in defense things like that. You need to show them they need to learn they can win without freaking out. If the goal's not there yet, you don't need to lose all your values all the like again, preseason. Maybe maybe it's just me getting stuck on the fact that I hate the three at the back right now because there is no overlaps from our fullbacks to then just do cutbacks i haven't seen a single cutback cross yeah in a while supposedly supposedly all summer we've been working on that and exactly and and that's where i'm at like i get that a couple of guys got hurt but trust in yourself that these other guys can do it i i don't see why not and now more so with caicedo and lavia like four at the back has to happen against luton town i cannot see three center backs against a team that can't even put like 8,000 people in the stand. Yeah. Like they are who they are. We better come out there. Guns blazing shit. Go, line up like Liverpool did against us with six attackers. Like you have to get goals next week and, and three at the back, putting three center backs in place is, is not cutting it for me. It's just, you not. got, you got to go with an Enzo Caicedo pivot and you just got to let Enzo dictate play from deeper positions like he did against Liverpool. Caicedo could hopefully shore things up and then the key would be not starting Chilwell as another left winger. You bring in a yeah, Mudrik or a Madueke. Yeah, you bring in an actual attacking winger. Um 
to come in and, and play that position. But also now, you know, Chuck Wameka's injured, so who knows? We could possibly see Enzo playing the 10 a lot more. Um, didn't necessarily cover himself in glory today, but nobody did really outside of, uh, in my opinion, Malo Gusto. So um, Ronnie Ashworth had one thing to mention. He said he misses Nkunku badly and wishes we had Brojo for the last <laughs> half hour. Me too, man. I I really do. Um, nothing against Mason Bursto, but you know, Broja is a, basically a Diego Costa regen. So, oh, hold up, hold up. Broja could end up winning a starting job. He could. Nico he's good enough. Hasn't scored yet. Yeah, he's good enough. If Broja comes in and bangs a couple goals, he puts his hat in the ring for the starting job, a hundred percent. And 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 him and Nico do the same thing defensively in terms of their work rate and their physicality. So, you know, Broja will definitely tick that box for uh for Pochettino. For me, between them, I know it's not even on the script, but the big deal breaker between them is who starts scoring first. You know, if Broja or Jackson start scoring first, that's going to be the guy who Pochettino is going to go with moving forward. So, um, do you guys know how how soon until Broja's like match fit? I know he's I know he's in training. I'm not sure if he is doing um, full contact just yet. Andres, do yeah. you know? Uh, okay. I, I don't I feel like it's it'll be another month. Yeah, it might be a while. Break. Yeah, definitely until after the international. So hope, my, hopefully, my... go ahead, Tom. I say hopefully, <laughs> Nico has scored a couple goals by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, may, maybe next pen he can have it. <laughs> yeah, how about we have well, an actual I, attacking so player we, take our pen? Are we talking about? Yeah, are we gonna talk about the pen or no? I mean, I I yeah. don't think much yeah, of it. Yeah. I didn't think it was a bad pen. He he lasered it. It just uh, it just feels it like it got. Pen. It wasn't it was the worst pen. pen. Like I, like that maybe goes I'm, in. That goes in like eighty percent of the time. Listen, and maybe I'm maybe I'm just old school. But whenever I see somebody dilly dallying up to the ball before they take a penalty, I'm just like, you could miss. You know, if I see a guy run up and smash it with conviction. No bullshitting. Just pick a corner and smash it. I think you always have a better chance of scoring. That slow run-up plays with the kicker's mind just as much as it plays with the keeper's mind. So, I don't know. The thing with Enzo that frustrated me is, is like what I said earlier. Just that he was giving the ball away left, right, and center in the second half and just completely lost his bearings. You know, he, We always forget how young of a player he is because of how mature his demeanor is on the pitch and how he plays. Yeah. You know, he does very much play like a 27, 28 year old with European experience. But today in that second half, it was probably his worst outing as a Chelsea player, I would argue. Um, Yeah. Do you guys have anything on Enzo? What about the penalty situation? Do you want someone else taking it? Dude, like he took, he made all of his pens in the World Cup. Like, yeah, I wouldn't overreact. I get why. I get why. I I think Nkunku would have been on pens. I think sure. it was supposed to be in Kuku's role, and sure. yeah, yeah. Oh, and even then, Reese James ahead of him too. Reese has a good penalty record for us. Like, yeah. it it just feels like we've kind of fallen down the pecking order. But it's just one pen. I I I always thought that the striker is the the most logical choice. But if <laughs> maybe if Nico's hasn't scored in a couple of games, you would just give him one to get his confidence going. That's the only reason I would maybe change things up. And look, Paqueta, on the other end, another midfielder, he did the same right. dilly-dally thing, and he scored. It's like, you know, like, if if 
Enzo puts it away, we don't have this conversation. And also, the match is completely different. The match is completely different. If we go up 2-1 at that point... Um, but, yeah. hey, you know, I'm, his, I would, uh, I'm not overreacting. Paqueta did his best Bruno impression in terms of just being a prick, huh? I I was so annoyed by him. Like, this, this motherfucker's already cheating in the most, like, the stupidest way when he's gambling on himself. Like, yeah. Like at least at least uh what's his name? <laughs> Ivan Tony, like his bets weren't like you know, I'm like, gonna get a yellow sham. card. Yeah, like it, it yeah. weren't like sham bets, like like straight up just, fraud. My team's gonna like, lose was, playing like, against if, Man City. <laughs> yeah, if if Paqueta if what his that what he's alleged to do is true, then he's like straight up committing fraud. You know? Yeah. Like it's not it's not he's the same thing that. as what Ivan Tony Tony did, and he got a fucking half a season suspension. But even on top of that, fuck Lucas Baqueta, bro. I don't like yeah. that. I don't like that fool anymore. He's a fucking scumbag. Um, let's let's move on from Enzo. And I mean, obviously, the Paqueta thing is a joke. I'm just gonna add one thing. But the I forgot it was the play where I forgot who he got in a tussle with, but he he got like a little shove on the shoulder. Gallagher, yeah, Gallagher. and then he acted like he got fucking clotheslined. So I'm watching that, and I'm. I know it's coming. The second Gallagher pushes him, you know Paqueta's going to milk it. My wife is sitting right next to me, and she looks at me, and she says, if you're going to take a yellow card, at least take it being a man. And that was, like, the most perfect reaction to that situation, because, yeah, Paqueta took a yellow card for, for falling like a little bitch. Instead, after you get shoved, why don't you shove him back if you're going to take a yellow anyways? Like, stand up for yourself. Be a man. Like, the, the, the complete lack of, res- like... I just have zero respect for people and soccer players like that. Those are those are the most annoying ever. We should bring bullying back. Um, anyways, Moises Caicedo, our new debut, um, or our new debutante, but a debut to forget. Um, obviously fouled Emerson to give away the penalty. He played 37 minutes, lost possession eight times, committed a couple fouls, um, had a shot that was off target. Um, obviously that really bad error leading to West Ham's chance. I forgot who eventually missed that chance, but won the ball back and passed it right back to them. Yeah. And that was um, two in a row. He 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 made a bad pass, mm-hmm. got the ball back, and did it another one to give it away. Um mm-hmm. that was yikes. So now we know why he didn't start. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I think but now we don't know why we paid 115 million for him. <laughs> uh, to be fair, to be fair, I thought like there was moments where he was making good passes out of like the deepest position in midfield. Mm-hmm. I just think again, you're throwing in a 21 year old who is not a goal contributor into a match where we're losing, and you're like, "Go get him, Tiger." It's like, bro, it's like putting me in a wrestling ring, and fucking Andre the Giant is about to get knocked down. He taps me in against fucking Triple H. Like I'm about to get fucked. It's not. It, it's not a winning situation, man. Like, I. I'm Talk sorry. Like, every argument would still fuck you, though. Listen, my point is, <laughs> yeah, we're putting these guys bad. are. It's these guys are young. Like, you are. Like, there's the thing I was thinking about is there's players that have the right mentality to be good off the bench, and mm-hmm. aren't good when they start. The perfect example I can think of is Mishi Bashuai. The dude, you get him off the bench. 
and he'll give you a 7 out of 10. He'll just go out there. He knows what he's going to do for 20 minutes. He'll get you a goal. But the minute you start him, he goes brain dead. Mm. I think the same thing can happen the other way around, where there's players that just have to start the game, get a feel for the game, and that's how they work. I think with young players, even more so than vets. Like These guys need to feel how the game is going. They need to understand who, where the pressing is coming from. You throw them out, it's going to be like throwing people into the sharks. It's just... It's just a different mentality. They're, they haven't been around the game enough to know, okay, this is what I'm going up against. And that's why we end up spamming crosses like idiots, losing possession when we shouldn't be, things like that. I mean, shouldn't we be giving them the, and this is how I feel at least, give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. He came into a match that was a pretty shambolic performance all the way around from all of our players. He is new to the team. You know, Pochettino did talk about it before the match and said, you know, just the fact that he's able to be on the bench is somewhat of a of a positive. Um, so, I mean, clearly he wasn't tactically or physically ready to to start and 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 play a a huge role in this match. But you know, coming off the bench in a game like this where nobody's playing well, the system is all out of whack. People don't really know where to be or where to play. At one point, he was our only midfield player out there because Enzo was just playing as a 10 right next to Nico at one point. So can we give him benefit of the doubt? I mean, I am. I just think it's a shit debut. I don't know about benefit of the doubt or not. Like, I just think it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't the, you know... He came in and got 50 tackles and 99% pass accuracy. It was today was just a perfect storm. Yeah. Hey, Tiago Silva's debut, he gave up a pen too. Yeah. Well, he gave up more <laughs> than a pen. Was that, uh, yeah. He got a he red, up, right? Uh, yeah. I think he gave Mateos Pereira uh, his first Premier League, his first and only Premier League hat trick. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, we'll move on a little bit to the next. Uh, not our next newest signing, but one of our newest signings, um, Disasi. You know, we were really complimentary towards him, me especially last week. I still rate the guy, not saying I don't, but this was definitely a day to forget for him as well. Um, you know, he was exposed 1v1 against Antonio. I mean, that, that whole run of play was really on Disasi and Tiago Silva. Tiago Silva, nowhere to be found on the recovery, but with Disasi, he initially... He beats his man to the ball first on a 50-50, but then he gets caught in between two minds whether he wants to pass or just clear his lines. Instead, he has like this little soft half-ass clearance, finds its way to a West Ham player. All of a sudden, Antonio's played through 1v1 with Desasi. And Desasi did well to stay in front of him, but he didn't close down that space. And, and I mentioned it earlier, you know, Michele Antonio's not world-class by any stretch of the imagination, but the guy's been scoring buttloads of goals in the Premier League for the better part of three or four seasons now. So if you give him the time and space, meaning five to six yards, um, where he can pick his head up and pick out the corner, he's going to do that eight or nine times out of ten. And that's what happened. Um, so he got punished there. Really, really poor showing defensively from him. Thiago Silva on the other end, I thought this was the first old um, in a really long time for us. Um, you know, the recovery pace just wasn't there. He didn't even bother trying to track back. Um, but is this uh, is this more exemplary of who Desasi is, or is this just a case of him getting you know served a slice of humble pie? Welcome to the Premier League. You know, you just had a bad day at the office. 
You're baking up a lot of humble pie tonight, huh, Zach? Listen, man, I I I love I love this Aussie. I, I I do rate him as a player. And you love pie, today huh? he was, bro. He was terrible. He was so bad today. Listen, it's it's not Lee Gun. It's fine. Like slow and steady, slow and steady. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. I think I think the way I I was thinking about it is. He just had a bad day at the office. He got spun by uh, Jared Bowen as well in the second half. Mm-hmm. It, was, it felt like a, way too easy of a turn. And again, I think we just need to be playing a back four because he would have, like you said, Tiago didn't look good today. And I feel like this is now back-to-back weeks where if Tiago makes a mistake, DeSasi is going all the way across the pitch to go cover for Tiago. It happened... Um, a couple times with Salah and stuff against Liverpool, and then it happened again. The Mikel Antonio one was his own mistake, but the one I'm talking about with Jared Bowen, there's no reason why DeSasi should be covering a, what is he, a left winger that cut inside when Thiago Silva's the guy in the middle of the three. So to me, I, I think it's it's part of the, the what's it called, the growth, the, the ad- adapting period, if you'd say. And let's just go back to a back four. I know that he's played a back three. I get it. I just want to see. Let this guy not be. I almost don't want. How do I put this? We can't use Tiago Silva as a crutch. I think that hinders what these other center backs should be doing. I, I want to see Levi Colwell and DeSasi take responsibility for what they should be doing. And maybe that gives them a little bit of confidence to puff their chest out. Like. It's it, it almost feels like I don't have to think or do much because there's a giant brain next to me almost joysticking me. Like, it, it's the same thought process I had when when we had Hazard, where everybody else was just waiting for Hazard to do something. I feel like that on the flip side of the defense, they're waiting for Tiago to command them. And, and I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too deep on it. I just kind of want to see what it would look like without Tiago there. I mean, tinfoil hat on. Do you think Tiago? Do you think Poch went with that back three today because we had no Reese James and he just wanted to get both of our captains out on? There's a little bit of that. Just kind of having like that. I mean, you talked about Tiago Silva pulling all the strings and calling all the shots and the leadership aspect of it. Do you think that you know Pochettino's looking at the team and going like, man, the average age of this team is like 24 years old. We got to get some experience. We got to get a calm head in here. That's why Thiago Silva is going to keep playing. I mean, play Thiago Silva in a back four too. Then it's fine. You yeah. have Malagusto who runs circles on this pitch. Levi is young enough to do it, and then you signed two more DMs. I don't want the the argument we've had for the past three years for having a back three was we have no DMs. Somebody needs to protect, like the back three protects our midfield. Blah 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 blah. Guess what? Our midfield shouldn't need protecting anymore. Period. Like yeah. enough. Time to evolve. If there's growing mm-hmm. pains in the, I I rather take growing pains in the back four than in the back three. That's just mm-hmm. where I'm at with this team. I think the back four suits this team. The mm-hmm. they're young. They have legs on them. It. I, I'm banging mm-hmm. the same drum over and over again because that's mm-hmm. just how frustrated I am. We we built a team of youth, of legs, of energy for Poch, and and we're so stale right now. I mean, the back four, we pretty much have a like for like across every position except goalkeeper. 
Now that I'm thinking Literally, about it. Literally, is supposed to be a younger, stronger Tiago Silva because mm-hmm. he's also not the quickest, but he's the big brain guy and with, yeah. with a good passing range. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to move on to one of the positives today. Um, depends on how you look at it. Raheem Sterling. I mean, we've been more than critical of this guy, and rightly so. I mean, he deserved all of the criticism. Let's just be very honest. But today, I actually thought he was pretty good. It was his best match. Are you going to eat a slice of humble pie, Zach? I mean, maybe, uh, <laughs> no, nah, I won't, because I don't think it's going to continue. <laughs> Otherwise, I would. If I thought Sterling was going to just keep banging for four or five more matches, then yeah, I'd definitely cut myself a slice or two. But um, no, I mean, this was his best match in a long time. He completed 35 passes, six dribbles completed, which from my recollection, and if any listeners can confirm this, I th- believe that's the highest amount of completed dribbles he's had in a match for Chelsea thus far. Um, fouled five times. Um, he had Emerson on skates the entire first half. He basically made Emerson call him daddy. Um, however, <laughs> I mentioned it earlier. No goal or assist to show for it. The end product still isn't there. And um, you know, to start the match, I mean, the first ten or fifteen minutes, I was clamoring for him to come off at the half, just because you know he misplaced three or four. Nico Jackson must have had the run on Aguirre maybe. Th- two or three times in that first half and Sterling just with these soft passes, like he just has a complete inability to put his foot through the ball when playing a final, when playing a final pass. But overall on the day, he was probably our most influential attacker. I mean, I don't think you could take that away from him. So your opinions on this performance, considering the recent criticism. And I mean, are you guys in the same camp as me where you don't really see this continuing? Like, I, I, I didn't see enough mm-hmm. evidence today to show me that, okay, Sterling gets it now. It clicked. He's going to be, a, you know, one of our key players mm-hmm. moving forward. I just thought this was one of those favorable matchups for him because Emerson is awful 1v1. That's, that's the biggest point, like, that he had basically was playing against no one, an invisible person. So I still, I mean, I've said this from the beginning, like, I saw a stat where Raheem Sterling is now the Premier League leader in um, penalties drawn in Premier League history. That's wow. and it's that, that's actually you know that's that's it's an impressive. That's very stat. impressive. I know. Yeah. I honestly had no idea he was up there, but you know, like that is the type of player he can be. You know, that's the type of player that we paid for and that we expected. So. It's it's yeah. I'm I'm still gonna hold, like hold my reservations, but I I could see it happening. Him like putting it together. My argument against like like I need to see it again. I need to see it next week again because at this point we need to start putting bodies on the pitch that are going to contribute to the goals and the assist tallies, and and vibes isn't going to cut it for me. So. If Sterling next week gets the assist, does something influential, then maybe. But because I had this debate with a buddy of mine today, he's saying, well, Mudrik isn't doing anything to earn a start. But my counter argument is, has Sterling? So, like, again, I think having to earn a start because of how you perform off the bench is, is a very, like, ignorant way of thinking it. Obviously, if you score off the bench, that's great. But I also don't think that means you should start immediately the next match. You know, 
I think Sterling now has two almost 90s where it's it's sort of 50-50. Right now he's so-so. Two matches, I'm not I'm not moved yet. So I, yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy that he's fine. This is the player that he should have been from from the beginning of preseason. This is what I've been asking for. He he said all the things in the summer. Changed his diet, blah, 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 blah. A lot of talking. Now I need the ball in the back of the net. Earning a pen was a good start. Yeah. Again, like we said, if if Enzo Enzo would have scored that, we would have been like, man, Raheem, what a what a day he had. And and again, I'll give him his flowers. He was our best player. But that should be the standard, right? Mm-hmm. He gets paid more or he gets paid twice as much as the average salaries that are remaining on this roster. Literally. Yeah. So he needs yeah. like I need more if if I'm just gonna start him. Like it, it can't just be the vibes. The young guys can give me the vibes. He needs to give me the results. Yep. And that's where I stand too. To me, it's it's the end product that's the most frustrating. The slaloming runs are great, the penalties great, but we need that end product, man. Make that final pass. Score that goal, you know. Find yourself in positions where you're in either a playmaking or goal scoring role, you know, not necessarily just beating a defender that's guarding you that's shitty and just taking it all the way to the byline and kicking it right into the keeper's gloves, which seemed to be what he did <laughs> a few times. Um, he also missed Enzo on a cutback. I think it was Chile who missed, who ultimately missed a chance when he hit it with his right. But good lord, I mean, he could have easily had an assist or two today, and it's not that's not even including the the Jackson runs that he missed. Um, but the other positive, and it ultimately turned negative, was Chuckle Mecca. I mean, we talked about him a little earlier, another young player. This is a perfect example, like Andres said, of somebody who's getting an opportunity, who is young, um, who's growing in confidence, and it's starting to click. And just when you feel like it's starting to click for him, he goes down with a knee injury. Um, as of today, it's Monday night, as of the night we're recording. We don't really know what kind of injury it is. It looked like it could have possibly been a knee. Um, but we do know that he left the Olympic Stadium uh, on crutches. He was barely able to walk. But, I mean, let's talk about his goal, man. That was beautiful. You know, the little Willian, uh, the little Willian wiggle, get the ball out from under your feet. He put his foot through the ball. I felt like when he struck that, he struck it with all of our frustration. <laughs> Just completely laced it. Um, really nice goal for him. And you could tell with the celebration that he's been waiting for that moment for a long time. And I, I was really happy for him. Um, but ultimately, that injury is, you know, sad, to say the least. It does look like he's going to be out for an extended period of time. So... My question to you guys, um, this was Poch's, at least in Poch's mind, his backup 10. Um, this was his third choice midfielder prior to Latvia and um, Enzo coming in. So with him being out, I mean, what complications are we looking at? Does this mean that we can't necessarily run the 4 2 3 1 anymore because we don't have somebody to play in the hole? Does this mean yeah. that we possibly bring back a 4 3 3? I mean, where do you guys stand with it? Yes. Sam, I'll start I, with you I, first. I think that's what the two things you said is true. Like the 4 2 3 1, just like we don't have the personnel for it anymore. The 4 3 3, we do. We have, mm-hmm. we're well equipped for 4 3 3. Oh so, yeah. So um I am 
I think it's it's I don't know. It's like it's a, it feels like a no brainer, and I just know our next match we're not going to see it because Chelsea managers just don't <sighs> want to do the simple smart thing. Try to complicate Wait. everything. When when have we had a manager with predictable? When was the last time we had a manager with a predictable line? Antonio Conte and Conte, yeah, that's Conte. It. it was Conte. I I I think you can still. I think Poch can still find a way to do the four two three one as as much as it pains me because I am a four three three enthusiast. But Gallagher is a ten. He has been the ten. Like he could play Gallagher and then say, oh, like Gallagher is going to be in that role, like. I've been forcing him to do something different. Now he can just be roaming around the box. And to, to Gallagher's credit, he scored a lot last year playing the 10 under Frank. Like, more than I expected, at least. So, who knows, man? I think 4-3-3 makes the most sense, period. It, it gives us, again, a profile for everyone. If you don't think Gallagher should start, I think he can at least come in for Caicedo or Lavia at that point. Andre Santos could come in for Enzo if Enzo just needs a break. The pieces are there. Mm-hmm. And it lets us play the back four. It's dynamic because you don't know which of the two more roaming eights is going to be dangerous in what positions. I, You have now a whole week with these guys. They're registered. They're training with you. I'm sure we're going to be practicing on Monday. They're going to be there for a whole week. I, I don't know if, if, if Luton is Saturday or Sunday, but... Friday. Oh, it's Friday. Mm-hmm. Friday. Then yeah. even, then hell, honestly, even more of a reason to play the four three three because there's, you don't have to teach Gallagher to play the ten again. He can do. He can be in the in the deeper role in midfield. Four three three. Give me the four three three. It's time. Uh, yeah. We have it. We have what it takes. Just go back to the back four for crying out loud. Yeah, and, and another positive of the four three three that we haven't mentioned, it puts Caicedo in a position where he's very familiar too, because at Brighton last year he played at the base of that midfield. So he'll be very I, familiar. I think Lavia is gonna lone, be the deepest. The lone base midfielder. Or well, here's the thing. I don't necessarily think Lavia will start next match just based on how Pochettino used Caicedo this match. So I think I think we I think we start next match, Caicedo playing as the deepest, and then you have Enzo and Gallagher playing next to him just because Which is what I thought was gonna happen this yeah. weekend. Yeah, I mean, ideally, if I had to pick the lineup going into Luton and we can just get right into it, um, you know, Luton lost at first match 4-1, and the next question to you was what lineups we want to see. I mean, I'll go first. I want to see, uh, I want to see that midfield three. I want to see Caicedo, Gallagher, and Enzo. Um, let Enzo and Gallagher just kind of roam. I think you remove some of the recklessness in Gallagher's game when you don't put the responsibility of him being the funnel to get the ball um, between midfield and uh, to get the ball from the midfield to the forwards. Um, instead, you can have, you know, Caicedo and Enzo playing that role and Gallagher could just kind of fill the gaps. He does have a knack for scoring goals too. So maybe that's a, maybe he could find himself in a good goal scoring position against Luton. But yeah, I mean, two natural wingers would be ideal. I'd probably say Mudrick and Sterling Jackson up top and same back four, except you probably have Chilwell at left back instead of Colwell and then take your pick out of the center backs. What do you guys? Uh, what do you guys think, Andres? I'll start with you first. I mean, I would love to see our players in their natural position. Yeah. Again, this is a, a tale <laughs> tale as old as time for as Chelsea fans. How many times have we been saying that for the past five years? The I I need to see a back four. I just need to. I think if you can take out Desasi 
for a week, or maybe you think this is the match where he gets his confidence. Uh, but Cole will plus one. Gusto is an automatic starter. Chilwell has to play left back. Let him do what he does best. I'm ready to see Mudrik start. I think he should have been starting already. I think Sterling is is maybe two bad games away from from having a Noni Madueke start. But I'm at a 4-3-3 or, like I said, or if it's Gallagher sliding into the 10, whatever you want to call it. But it has to be a back four for me. I, I just... It's like I'm a broken record at this point in this episode. It, it has to be a true, a true back four. Yeah, I'm just going to jump into my prediction. I, I, I would be very surprised if they scored a goal on us. So I'm, but I'm also not too. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my expectations down on our goal scoring. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say two nil. We win. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, two own goals. That's how they win because they didn't I'm, score. We just scored twice on ourselves. Two nil Luton. I'm, yep. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two nil. Also, I I don't see a goal fest. I don't think the goals we're gonna score are gonna be necessarily pretty. You know, I think there'll be more cohesiveness with the way we play. We might create more chances, but again, after this week, I just it's kind of hard to see. It's one, it's hard to see Pochettino picking the lineup we want, and two, it's hard to see us scoring anything more than a goal or two in a match. I mean, forget it. So, on that premise, I'll go 2 0. I mean, do you boys have anything else to add before we wrap this bad oh, boy up? I, I'm saying 1 0. I think y'all, I, I, we haven't scored more than one goal so far. So, I'm going to stick against to... relegation favorites. Luton yep. down. 1 0. Like I season, said, baby. I'll take the ugliest. I will take the ugliest 1 0. It can be a shot that goes into the face of a defender and, and wiggles its way across the line. Anything. One nil. Same, same shit, different stink. Same shit, <laughs> different stink. Well, anyways, um, that is the end of our podcast this week. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Blues on Parade. Um, we also post questions after every match. So make sure you're checking our Twitter profile. Make sure you comment on those tweets and you'll get featured on the podcast just like our lovely listeners did today. So, um, boys uh friday that's the day where we uh where our season officially begins that's how i'm looking at things so (laughs) until then let's keep the blue flag flying high